Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. If you are looking in the next year or two to sell your business, then this is the perfect podcast for you to be listening to today. If you're not in that boat, and likely many of you listening to this podcast right now are not in that boat, here's the question that I have for you. Are you someone who wants to build something that is greater than you? If that's the case, then there are going to be a lot of principles in our interview today that will help you to begin creating something that other people want to be a part of. That means down the road, when you're looking to hand off your team or your business to someone else, you've built something that is attractive to other people, which is an amazing thing to be able to say. We're going to get to a little bit more about our guests in just a second, but first... It's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts. And that's why we've put together the Leadership Action List. It's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership. If you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year, this simple but effective resource is for you. Download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, for an entire year of weekly leadership development, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Our guest today is CEO and partner of McLaren Group, a company providing technology operating partner services to portfolios of private equity companies. Supporting companies in growth and merger and acquisition activities, she brings a unique experience from founder-led organization to multiple private equity-led cycles. She's an avid mentor, angel investor, and chairwoman for the Da Vinci Center for Innovation Angels Advisory Board at VCU. She's also a board member of the Richmond chapter of the Association for Corporate Growth. Her new book is Courage to Lose Sight of Shore, How to partner with private equity to grow your business with confidence, which was just named one of the nine must-read books to prepare entrepreneurs for 2021 by entrepreneur.com. Here is Kelly Powell. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Josh. Great to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? You bet. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I uh, was fortunate early on to be given the advice and wisdom that if you wish to grow, you have to invest in others to have someone always there and ready to fill your chair. It's great advice as I think there are times where we think that we have to hold on to a role that we have or a position or expertise that defines who we are. And really, it's quite the opposite. Investing in others allows you to also grow as as you're helping others grow. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is... Hmm, okay, just three. Then I would say resilient, that counts as one. Transparent, I'm big on transparency. And three would be inspirational. And if you know Kelly Powell, I'd probably say 
with several bullet points of it depends on what your definition of inspirational is. And for some, that's empathy, grit, boldness, emotional intelligence. I know you said three, but maybe you'll give me the, the grace to include all those in one, one bullet point. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? What do I need to grow my business? What am I good at? And what am I not so good at? I think we're all good at certain things and none of us are good at all things. So taking an honest assessment and asking maybe even the people around you that you trust to be honest with you and, and tell you, be slightly vulnerable to listen to others and say, what do you think I'm good at? What do you think I'm not so good at? so that you can help others and find the right people to help you fill those gaps. What's a book that you would recommend to leaders? This one I think is really unfair because I have a huge list and I always do. But I think is a part of the journey. I mean, here we are in January of 2021 and we have 2020 behind us. I've met so many brilliant authors uh, while writing a book some are still in the queue, but I think Margie Worlds, You've Got This, The Life-Changing Power of Trusting Yourself, has been an incredibly interesting read, not only during the launch of my book, but throughout the pandemic for advice. Now, of course, I'd have to say uh, Courage to Lose Sight of Shore would be one I would recommend. <laughs> the next question is this. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Prepare for your future investment now before you're ready. And that's really about investing in relationships. One of the things I talk about in the book is the value of a reverse due diligence and you know, having someone else to evaluate you and look and invest. I think we as leaders should do more of that and finding the ways that we can invest in ourselves as well as investing in others. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Gosh, I love listening to your guest answer this question. I'm why. And one of my mentors would often reference the parable of laying bricks and asking, what, it, what is it you're doing, right? Are you laying bricks or are you building a cathedral? And I think that that's really important. The same perspective as when John F. Kennedy asked the question during one of his visits to NASA to a gentleman mopping the floor and he asked him to describe his job and his job was, I'm helping send a man to the moon. So understanding why we do what we do, for me, that's, that's the question I would tend to lean, why? Well, Kelly, we are here today to talk about your new book, Courage to Lose Sight of Shore, How to Partner with Private Equity to Grow Your Business with Confidence. I would love for you to share a little bit about this book and also the the sea ship shore metaphor to give people an idea of what this is all about and really what you're looking to do with this book, how you're trying to impact lives. So when we think about the shore, that's kind of the red string that I use throughout the book as a metaphor, because at McLaurin Group, we're a technology operating partner for portfolios of private equity. 
we advise founders on how to leverage technology to grow their businesses. And when they are considering private equity and they take on that investment, there's so much that is opaque behind closed doors. You don't get to hear a lot about it and you may not even consider private equity. And so I I use that red string as thinking about becoming a part of a fleet, right? You're still the captain of your ship, but you're now, you have an admiral. When someone buys your business, you no longer have complete control. Do you have a say? Yes, you do. But someone else is writing a check to be able to acquire your business. And so as a founder, that's really scary, right? When you think about selecting a partner that you are going to essentially, in a lot of ways, hand over your, your dream, your business to, because you're the entrepreneur, you're the founder, you've built it. I grew up uh, with my grandparents down the Chesapeake Bay and love being able to be out on the water. And, you know, when I was thinking about writing the book and explaining how you can think about private equity, if you've never experienced it, you haven't been a part of it. And jokingly, to be able to answer questions from even my family and friends on what it is I do, it's a lovely way to be able to relate throughout the book. So I hope it does resonate with the readers about using that metaphor throughout the book. One thing that you said that would be really interesting to hear a little bit more about is how you leverage technology and thinking about uh, what that looks like when it comes to helping grow your business and maybe even partnering with someone like the McLaurin Group. I think sometimes people are surprised because it's never about the technology for technology's sake. And I talk about in the book how when, when folks are trying to ask me to invest, they will ask me and first sell about the technology rather than themselves or the business or back to that whole why, why not, why you're doing what you do. And because the growth strategy for a company, the technology really needs to be there to help support it. So the way I think about technology and the way that we work with our clients for technology is really about scale, growing a business. Are you ready? And I kind of joke about the fact that if you're taking on an investment and you know that this company is going to explode, you're going to double, triple, quadruple, whatever it is, the number that you're getting ready to say to your management team that you're about ready to do. And everybody gets really excited. And you look across the table at the person who's responsible for your technology, then they're not smiling. (laughs) Then you know that you need to invest in order to be able to support that growth. Because the last thing you want to have happen is to be in a position where you are able to have the customer base to grow your company, but technology can't keep up. I think this year has been an interesting year from a pandemic perspective and thinking about how private equity in some, there were some parts of 2020 where they may not have done as many acquisitions of new companies but really focused on the operating side of the companies of their portfolio companies 
and reimagine the way that they're delivering products and services to their clients, moving to the cloud in a way that they can serve more customers. And it's been a lovely year to be a part of the private equity community to invest in portfolio companies in that way to have folks not only survive 2020, but be better for that investment. One thing I think would be interesting to hear from you about, because you get to interact with so many business owners and and founders of companies, what is it that business leaders need to be thinking about as far as growing their business and investing in strategic ways? You know, at the end of a year, at the beginning of a year, you begin looking at your investments, sometimes individually, sometimes as a company and saying, where can we go? Where do we need to go for this next year? And I think it would be really helpful to hear about some of the things that people need to be thinking about, whether they are interested in partnering right now or they're just, you know, early on starting off looking to grow and to invest so that in the future they can do bigger and greater and better things. Any thoughts on how to focus when it comes to investing and growing your business for 2021 and beyond? I think the first thing that's really important for any founder to evaluate is what are your goals for the business? And so one of the things I I talk about is who the book is for, who it's not for. And so part of the ways that we look through a lens of private equity is are you going to be making investments now that you would then sell your company in another three to five years? Are you going to have a company that you're holding for 10 years? Or maybe you are happy with exactly where you are and you don't want to grow your company and maybe private equity isn't right for you, but you have a really lovely business that is really comfortable at the size it is right now. And so all of those answers are, that's okay. That's wonderful. And so I think That's the piece when I say that it goes back to what is the growth strategy for the company and so how does technology align to support that? I think one of the things that we have seen for a lot of folks that as they've moved to the cloud, maybe out of necessity because they hadn't taken that step uh, prior to 2020, they maybe have kind of picked up their data center and placed it right in to the cloud and haven't really, I would say, optimized it for the cloud to be able to have the true benefits of being able to set it up in that environment. And so having someone who has that experience to go in and rethink the way that you're doing that to take advantage of that, to be able to deliver to your clients is really important because it's not as simple as just picking everything up and putting it in the cloud. You won't be taking advantage of of all the benefits if you do it in that way. And so having sometimes a third party take a look at it to be able to see what other folks are doing and how are they're doing it and have that market insight is an important aspect of investing in yourself and your company. But I think that's the piece that you first have to ask before we sit down and do any type of roadmap planning from a technology standpoint, there needs to tie back to what is the goal of what we want to achieve together. One other thing that you've briefly mentioned that I'd like to hear you talk about a little bit more, because I think I understand the concept, but maybe not what it 
what it looks like is this idea of a reverse due diligence. Why is this important when you're thinking about private equity and how can this be valuable for people who are, are trying to be introspective about where they need to go and how they need to be developing? Yeah, when we think about a reverse due diligence, I use the example of a home inspection. And when you are going to put your house up for sale, being able to do a home inspection before you have buyers so that you know what's coming up, then you have paid someone to be able to be really honest with you about what things that buyers might be turned away, what they might shy away from, because they're things that you may be able to take care of so it doesn't even become an issue. And then there's other things that might come up that you say, no, I'm not going to do that. It may be that whoever buys this may want to renovate the kitchen. So why would I worry about making that change and that investment because someone else is going to want to do that? It's very similar to the way that private equity comes in to look at a business. And I think folks get a little bit nervous about anyone saying what might be um, less than perfect with their business. Because again, it's our company. We've built it. We've grown it. But in doing so, there are things that we know we need to address and, and maybe we just haven't. And that's okay because they, that might be the very thing that the private equity firm is saying, we are experts in that. This is a skill and something that we bring to the table. So you having something that you need to improve on, you need to address, is it not necessarily a bad thing? But I think the reason that it's really important to do that reverse due diligence for yourself is it may be that if you don't, then things will come up in a due diligence because a due diligence will happen. Any private equity firm who's going to acquire your company is going to perform a due diligence. It's going to hire someone like the McLaurin Group to come in to take a look. And if something does come up, which would cause pause to want to walk away, you might not ever know because they, they might not share that information because you haven't paid for that yourself. And so I, I believe strongly that there is huge power in information and knowledge and being able to make decisions. So the reverse due diligence allows you to know what's going to happen in the process rather than to be surprised. And I think that that's incredibly valuable. I would certainly want that for myself. Now, when it comes to you looking at businesses and thinking about what it looks like for for you to partner with them, how important is the value alignment either, you know, within the organization or particularly perhaps with the founder or owner of the organization that you're looking at? Is that something that is a must-have? Is there some flexibility there? I think this is helpful for two reasons. First of all, other people who are looking to partner in any number of ways in a business setting can be thinking about how important is it for me to have alignment? And then also for someone who's looking to partner with private equity, they can be saying, who do I need to be looking for? So when it comes to you looking at businesses, how important is that value alignment? Unbelievably important. And I would say that 
some of the most gut-wrenching moments that I've experienced or, or witnessed have been when CEOs have thought they had that alignment correct and essentially weren't able to live up to the commitments that they made at the time because there was a misalignment there. And that's why I spent probably the majority of the book talking about really that self-evaluation to understand, and I I refer to them as the non-negotiables. You have a huge responsibility as a founder to be able to know who you are as a person, what are the values of the company, what are the things that are really important to you. Because if you don't know what those things are and you aren't living them, one might say life as leadership, then you cannot find someone who shares those same qualities, aspirations, because you haven't defined them for yourself. And so there's a a huge part of the book that I talk about doing that and knowing it because the process, once you're in it, it goes really fast. There's so much more to an investment than the money. It is about the values. It's about the culture. It's about what the operating partners will bring to the table to grow your business. Because if you have any hesitation on whether you have that alignment right, you need to have those conversations because you don't work on that after you write a check. You have to make sure that you've had those questions before that check gets deposited in your account. And I, and I talk about this too, is you, you think that you want to stay and it's going to be really hard if those values are not aligned because again, you're captain of your ship, but you're reporting up to an admiral who is going to have a say. So it's a whole lot easier when you know you've got that alignment going in. It makes for much smoother sailing, much smoother sailing. For sure. And I think that everyone listening to this podcast uh, would probably agree with the notion that we are often as a culture, as a society, more separated by certain things these days, including politics, of course, than we have been for, for some time. And one of the things that might be helpful to think about is what are those things we actually should prioritize when it comes to our values? Like, How do you decide, how do you determine what becomes a non-negotiable? Do you have any recommendations for kind of some categories for people to begin thinking in when it comes to what do I actually want to be prioritizing to kind of put in that non-negotiable list of top values? 2020 was a great year for us to evaluate that, right? There were so many moments that I, I think that you really had to reflect on who was your network, who were in the boat with you, who did you rely on? Because we were all, we all experienced the pandemic together. And I've said this often to the team here at McLaurin Group, I would not have wanted to experience 2020 with any other group. And the community and the private equity firms that we work with that really surrounded folks with support. You may think that those things are nice to have, But in moments like we experienced in 2020, they were a necessity and they made the difference. And I think 
we all had to experience a few lessons in empathy and and that whole aspect of knowing that if folks are not getting back to you, everybody is is dealing with things that are demanding of them their time in ways that they hadn't before. And so having that self-reflection to say as simple as, do I want someone who's going to be hands-on or am I, am I the type of leader that that would smother me and I want just give me the money and let me make my own decisions? Do I want someone who's going to provide the support of expertise to be with me and more decisions? When you think about some of the, I think some of the toughest decisions are with some of the the hires that happen at the management and executive team level as you take on a private equity investment. And we could talk about like for a CTO, for example, and we will will help clients think about where they are currently with their technology and where they go, where they need to go from a technology standpoint. And, and what does that visionary leader look like where maybe up to this point, there was someone that was more operations focused rather than thinking about future architecture. Those hires are really important. And you as the entrepreneur and founder and CEO, you've made those really important decisions all on your own. Now you're going to be making them most likely with the private equity firm having a say-so and weighing in. So the best way to know that you're going to look to hire that same type of person who believes in the culture and the mission of the company is to first align on what the culture and the mission of the company is and what are those things that matter to you. Those conversations have to happen up front. So little things like, you know, for me, one of the funnest experiences I've had as a leader has been able to partner with private equity firms who would give out a bit more equity and spread it across more of the employees and being able to do that in ways that folks truly got to be a part of the growth of the business and benefit from that. And that speaks to a culture on whether or not you want to spread the wealth and you want to have more employees that are engaged in ownership of the company as just one example. Well, Kelly, I appreciate you giving us some insight. Whether we are the owner of a business looking to partner with private equity or just a leader of a team looking to improve and align values at the beginning of 2021, I appreciate the insight you've shared today. Before we finish up this interview, do you have any final thoughts you would like to leave us with, whether it's something that you'd just like to reiterate from our conversation today or something that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? Yeah, I think that regardless of where you are, Mentoring is a two-way street, and I'm a part of, as you mentioned, the VCU Da Vinci Angel Advisory Board. You can get involved with being able to be a mentor with your experiences as a founder and an entrepreneur, and so being a part of that tide that lifts all boats Here at VCU, we were just awarded a $50,000 grant to have an entrepreneur academy, which provides first-generation and low-income students 
skills and innovation and entrepreneurship around design thinking, digital literacy, business model canvas, and the art of the pitch. And this is going to go out to 150 students. And so there are ways that you can get involved, even with just your local universities, your local communities, reach out and find ways that you can get involved to invest in other leaders and help one another and lift each other as we climb. Kelly, before you leave, if people have connected with what you've shared today, where would you like for them to go to find out more about you and your book and the work that you do? You can, if you want to find more about the book, things that I do, things that interest me, like the Alzheimer's Association and other things that I'm involved in beyond the book, you can find all of that on kellypowell.com. So Kelly W. Powell, and I have two E's. So it's K-E-L-L-E-Y-W-P-O-W-E-L-L.com. You can send me an email at kelly at kellywpowell.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find McLaurin Group at McLaurin-Group.com. And that's M-A-C-L-A-U-R-I-N-Group.com. Would love to hear your feedback. Be brutal with me. If the book resonates, if there is something that I can do to connect with you, learn from each other, amplify your voice and lift each other up, it'd be an honor to do that. And I truly mean for for folks to reach out. All righty, Kelly, thank you so much for your time for sharing with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Josh. And I hope that 2021 is a hugely successful and a delightfully lovely year. So look forward to the year ahead. If you'd like to connect with Kelly, you can go to her website at kellywpowell.com, which you can find in the show notes below, along with a few other ways to reach out to her. Now, let's go ahead and get you today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. Think about a reverse due diligence, the idea of looking at your business from an outside perspective. Now, of course, if you're looking to sell your business, this is important, but this is a good principle to take for anyone, whether it's your business, your team, or whether it's yourself. Try to gain an outsider's perspective to identify what things you need to be changing and go ahead and make those changes before anyone else comes along and tells you they need to happen. The second key takeaway is that value alignment is unbelievably important. If you don't have value alignment with the people you partner with, it can end up being gut-wrenching. So define those non-negotiables for your life, those values that undergird who you are and that you actively live out. And the final key takeaway is that self-reflection is vital. And this is connected to the second key takeaway. Make sure you reflect on the type of people you want in your business and that you want to partner with. If you do this, you can make sure that you have that necessary value alignment. And if you want a way to begin that self-reflection process, that refining process as a leader, one thing I would recommend is that you download the Leadership Action List, which is 52 ways that you can improve yourself as a leader. You can find that for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Thanks for listening today, and we'll be back next week with another great interview. Until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. 
Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading well.